Welcome to Crosslink Community Church Podcast, where we prize Jesus, make disciples, and love people well. We are so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe you will be more acquainted with the heartbeat of God through today's message. Hey, Merry Christmas Eve. Oh, man, it's good to see you all. Thanks for braving the weather. Uh, it's bitterly cold out there. Thank you. You know that, right? All right, good. Um, the heat is working in here, which is great. Uh, it was about three o'clock this afternoon that I finally was able to find someone to uh, plow the lot um, because like everything else that's fallen apart the past two days, um, we had uh, a guy who was going to plow the lot and then what ended up happening was uh, he, he, he wrecked his truck. So uh, he's good. He's good. But uh, anyway, so we had to do that. So has anyone else had like a trying Christmas couple of days? Okay, a few of you good. Um, we are, uh, man, we, we, we are switching things up a little bit this evening. I know that you've noticed the tables when you came in. And uh, you guys can turn the house lights on for this portion if you don't mind. Uh, there's, uh, there's cookies. There's cookies at the tables. Um, so if you're not sitting at the table and you didn't get cookies yet, you can steal from other tables. It's okay. Um, thank you for the ladies who made uh, the cookies for this evening and for uh, Amy who helped with the centerpieces to pull this thing off. Uh, we wanted a place for you to sit with your family as we uh, do our, um, our Christmas Eve service. I wasn't, I wasn't going to cancel it. Um, I know, I know the road conditions have not been very good, uh, but uh, this is a tradition. Like growing up as a, as a kid in church, this this was the service we got to play with fire. So I'm like not canceling that one. So, um, and uh, speaking of fire, uh, so so I only have like 13 minutes because our goal is to 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 do this service in uh, in, an, in an hour, and we got some singing to do. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna take 16 minutes. Um, so so here here's here's what happened for uh, for us. Um, uh, our, our pipes are frozen at our house, um, and so so we didn't have showers today. So I, I put a lot of cologne on. So those of you who hugged me earlier, yeah, it was cologne and mustiness. Either way, um, we, we, so what, what, what happened is our, our pipes froze. I'm like, what are we going to do? Now, we got the kitchen sink un, or, uh, thawed out, so that's working. That's the important one, the kitchen sink, so we can eat and still have a good time. But, but the ones to the showers are still frozen. I'm like, I don't even know how to fix this. So I have heaters up all over the house. So, so hopefully, either the, the pipes will thaw out or I'll have a house fire. Either way, um, we'll see what happens. But, but with, with that, uh, I also wake up this morning and get a text from, from Sierra, who is our, our worship leader, and she had no voice. And so um, she, she had to kind of punt a little bit and figure out what we were going to do. And the team came through and has done a, an excellent job so far and will do a great job. And so it's just one of those things where, where nothing seems to work out right, but I wasn't canceling Christmas Eve service. And so we are going to have this thing here this evening. Um, anyone like to give gifts? Anyone like to get gifts? Like is that, that was, so, so, so for me, I, I love to give gifts, but the problem is I, I rarely can wait until the time to give the gift. Uh, if, I, if I go and buy a gift, I want to take it home immediately and say, Chris, I got this for you now. Will you, you want to take it? She's like, no, you need to wait. I'm like, can't wait. Please take it now. And she forces me to wait. And so, um, uh, but, but here's the thing. When I go shopping for gifts, because I love to give gifts, um, uh, I also find good deals for me. 
And so I'm walking through the store uh, trying to get some presents for our kids to wrap things up. I'm like, oh, that's kind of, that's, that's a good deal. And so I get it and I come home because it's like, why, what is it? This is not Christmas for you. I'm like, yeah, but it was a good deal. So, so that's what I did. But, but I was standing in line um, at one of the stores and I, I kid you not, I saw something. You know how they put all those things on your way out um, that could just entice you to get them? Some of you have more self-control than me. I have none. And so I'm walking through this and I saw this box sitting over here that was, uh, it was in a little bow and um, it was uh, like bright colors and it had these marshmallows on it. And I realized, I don't know if you've seen this. If you haven't, you need it. It's the marshmallows for Lucky Charms. Just the marshmallows. <laughs> Did you know there was such a thing? Like, I'm like, this is like rainbows and unicorns and specialties. Like, I was excited. I could, I got home and I opened it up and I gave the kids good news because this is a season about good news. And so I, I said, listen, there is no longer any marshmallow tax when you pour a bowl of cereal of Lucky Charms. Any other parents in the room, you walk by their cereal, they just pour, you're like, those look delicious. And you take a few. I don't have to. I got my own box of marshmallows. So some of you have, you're like, this guy's crazy. I am, but listen, they are delicious. So when we leave here tonight, I get to participate in taking some more, more of those, but you didn't come here for that. Um, we came here to talk about Jesus. Um, and so, uh, we, we kind of are doing a little, um, kind of unconventional take on the Christmas story this year. Um, we have been walking through the book of Jonah, uh, we've titled this sermon series, uh, Christmas in Nineveh. And the reason we titled it that is because if you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you a little bit of the background in a moment. Um, but Nineveh was a group of people. In fact, it was a capital of the Assyrians, uh, Israel's most formidable opponent and adversary. Uh, and uh, God wanted to send a prophet to Nineveh to let them know um, that he sees their wickedness. And so Jonah goes to Nineveh later through the belly of a fish because he initially hears um, God calling him there and says no. But what happens is that God in some extravagant way shows his kindness towards the people of Nineveh and he shows his unmerited favor to a wicked people. And if there's anything we need to know about Christmas, as we um, understand Jesus coming as a baby, entering into this world, into our fray as a little child, what you and I need to understand is that he came to confront us knowing that we didn't have what was adequate or necessary to right our relationship with the creator of the universe. So Jesus came as the unmerited gift and unmerited favor or kindness of God towards you and I. And, and if you know anything, you walk around stores even um, today during the Christmas season as you're doing your last minute shopping, what you hear are these Christmas carols, these songs, these traditional songs. And it's like the only time they are allowed to be sung, um, these songs about Jesus in stores uh, and marketplaces. And, and I wonder if it's because we've removed some of the important details about Christmas is that although Jesus came as a little baby, he came as the savior of the world. 
And what that does is tell you and I that if he came as the savior of the world, that confronts you and I as we are in need, desperate need of saving. And so um, Jonah, where we left off uh, on Sunday, where we will pick up today, um, uh, he was thrown up or spit out or upchucked on the shore of Nineveh to do the task he was originally asked to do. However, what we know is that Jonah was originally asked to go to Nineveh and he disobeyed and attempted to run from the presence of the Lord. But Jonah found himself tossed overboard in a storm, sinking to the bottom of the sea, then rescued through the belly of a fish. He remained in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And this brings us to this evening's text where he is gently placed spewed out on the shores of Nineveh to be the light sent by God to expose the sinfulness of this nation. He was given an eight-word sermon, and I just want to read it to you, and, and I promise you I'm going to do my best to tie this into to Christmas. So, so just hang on, eat some cookies while you wait. In Jonah 3, verse 4, it says this, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's, that's it. That's his only message, his one sentence, eight-word sermon, walking through Nineveh, saying over and over again, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And in this eight-word sermon that he finally did he went up and down the streets of Israel's greatest enemy an incredibly hostile territory confronting their sin and exposing that they as formidable as they were will be overthrown Nineveh didn't respond the way I think Jonah anticipated they repented, and I'm not going to read all of it here, but if you read through 6 through 8, they repented of their wrongdoing, and they called out now to this God that Jonah was talking about. They call out to God himself, and they repent, and in some extraordinary way, God does the unthinkable. Although he sent Jonah into this land to talk about them being overthrown, in this moment, he scandalously and graciously relented from destroying them, and he gave them the gift of life. And God, in his incredible kindness, gave unmerited grace to a wicked people. And if you ask me, although we don't like to be confronted and, and told that we're not adequate, we don't like to be told that we are sinful, we don't like to be confronted in those areas. Although we don't like that language, I would argue that this became Christmas in Nineveh then. To cry out to the creator of the universe and he responded. To know that your sins and your evilness is all and ever before you and the creator and yet you cry out. He lends his ear to them, listens and relents from what he was going to do. That would be what I would argue Christmas in Nineveh. And so I just, I just have three quick observations tonight that hopefully 
will point to Christ as the first Christmas and then this Christmas that is unfolding in our lives even, even now. Here's the first one, and I only have three. God is timely. Um, anyone been to family dinners yet? Raise your, raise your hand so, so we can, okay, a few of you. <laughs> the rest of you didn't get invited? That's sad. Uh, anyone late to family dinners? Like historically late, like this is just you, they'd know. Like for my family um, in Florida, if we were going to a lunch that started at noon, if we weren't there by 1130, they would call and say, hey, where are you at? Like it doesn't start till noon. We'll be there at 1215. You know us. This is how this works. What's interesting about God in this moment is that he is timely. In fact, he is always timely. He's on time and at the right time. You find yourself in a difficult, dark situation. Guess what? God is on time. You find yourself in a season that's supposed to be about joy and happiness and laughter, and you find yourself depressed and oppressed and struggling and difficult. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God is always on time and at the right time. And so right here, right now, God is on time. He got Jonah where he needed to be at the right time he needed to be there. I would contend that even if Jonah would have listened originally, he would have arrived in Nineveh at the same time. However, he decided to take the route through the belly of a fish. And how do we know that it was the right time? Uh, I'll show you here. It says, because the hearts of the people in Nineveh were cultivated and ready to receive the message to repent. It was the right time because God was already doing extraordinary work in a wicked, evil people who was against him so that they would be ready to hear the message that Jonah was about to bring. So when Jonah shows up, although he thinks it's going to be a very difficult task at hand, he walks through the city without being touched, without being ridiculed. He says this eight-word sermon, and it was enough to bring a nation to its knees. That's the right time. God shows up in the background to prepare the hearts of Nineveh. Similarly, if I could, God sent Jesus at the right time to capture the hearts of humanity. In Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. When Jesus came into this world and broke the silence, God's silence of 400 years with a baby's cry, he came at the right time and was on time to capture humanity's heart. How do we know that? Because over 2,000 years later, here we are, gathering around on a bitterly cold night, like, like terribly cold, like it shouldn't be this cold. And we're here celebrating what happened over 2,000 years ago. Because the one who created the human heart has the ability to capture it. 
And when that heart is captured, it then begins to beat for him who created it. And Jesus came at the right time and was on time. My second point, if I may, is that God, God doesn't hold a grudge. <laughs> we understand that because once again, how many of you have been to family dinners yet? Uh-huh. Some of you are like, that person is not coming ever, ever again. All right. But that's an old, I still have a grudge. Like, 15 years old, he ain't coming, right? That's how it is. We understand grudges. Someone wrongs you, you hold it. We understand this very well, especially as Americans. We get this deep down inside. We hold things against people that we should have let go a long time ago. We get grudges. Even in relationships that we have with people who are close to us, there are times where we easily will hold a grudge. But the good news about Jonah and Nineveh, and I would argue about Christmas, is that it shows and it puts on display that God doesn't hold a grudge. Let me explain. I know it may sound a bit peculiar, but we need to recognize both of the characters in this narrative. First, Jonah, a prophet, the one who disobeyed and ran from God. Literally, God says, go to Nineveh. No. And he runs the other direction. Disobeys a directive from God. Runs the other way and finds himself in a very difficult situation. And Jonah, who disobeyed and ran, God still in his loving kindness doesn't hold a grudge against Jonah. Doesn't decide to start afresh with a new prophet, but continually uses him for his purpose and plan. Listen, I am thankful that God doesn't quickly write us off the way we tend to write others off. Because in this narrative with this character, Jonah, who decides to run away from the presence of the Lord, yet the Lord, being the hound of heaven, still chases him down and uses him and doesn't hold a grudge is an incredible thing to see. But not only that, we have a second character. We have the people of Nineveh, clearly not cognizant of God or displaying any pursuit of relationship with him. They were content with pursuing and running to their own passions and their own pleasures. Yet God in his scandalous grace doesn't hold a grudge against them and offers life and hope. So, so a man running from God in his disobedience and a nation running to their own pleasures and passions, I think, I think we can identify with both of those. 2023 is around the corner. I think if left alone to our own thoughts for a little while, we could probably show the areas in our lives where we were either trying to run from God or we were trying to run to things that weren't going to satisfy anyways. And in our own relationship with the Lord, wherever your relationship is at, some of you in this room have been doing this thing for a long time. You are in love with Jesus, but even in your love for Jesus, your life fluctuates in your affection for him. 
At times he asks you to do something, you say no. At other times you flee to go to the things your heart desires. But either way, what happens is we find ourselves in both of these characters, the disobedient prophet and the men and women who choose to run after their own pleasures. And God in this narrative doesn't hold a grudge. Listen, incredible. Can I say that humanity didn't have it all together when God sent Jesus? Like, like over 2,000 years ago when he came the first time, God didn't look down and like, ah, oh, they're finally getting it. Most of them, not, not him. So I'm going to send Jesus. This is the right time because they're almost there. It's not how this worked. God sent Jesus at the right time, on time, even though humanity didn't have it together. We still don't have it together. Just look around. Scroll through Facebook. We find ourselves in both of these characters. Either running from God, thinking we can do it better, or running to our passions and pleasures, avoiding any kind of soul-deepening or life-giving relationship with God. Maybe, maybe what you and I need to hear this Christmas, if there's anything else that you hear this evening, is that in God's incalculable kindness, he doesn't hold a grudge. That, I, I know from my own life, man, I'm, I'm so thankful that God is so kind. That he's so faithful and steadfast that my relationship with him isn't depending, uh, dependent upon how good I'm doing in the moment, but it's dependent upon how Christ has done it for me. That God in his perfect nature looks down at us imperfect people and chooses to not hold a grudge is amazing news. Because every one of us in this room have done something, thought something, intended something that was deserving of the perfect creator of the universe to say, no, you're a scoundrel. And instead, instead he offers his love and kindness towards us through his son. Which, which leads me to my third and final point. I can't, I can't do this in 13 minutes because you're going to expect that every time. I'm trying to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> My third point is this. That God sent Jonah as a light to Nineveh. That Jonah was kind of resurrected out of the belly of a fish. Or, or if I could say it this way, he was reborn on the shores of Nineveh to be the light of truth for that nation. Jonah came as a light to expose and to begrudgingly, I would add, to illuminate the path of life and hope. Let me, let me explain. Light does both of these things. We've talked about this before. If you've been here, that light does, it exposes and it illuminates. And the best way to explain this is if you're out in the woods late at night and it's dark and you need to get from one place to another, you want, you want a light because it illuminates the path. You want a flashlight, anything that will help you go from one place to another. 
but if you're out in the middle of the woods at, at night and you just escaped from prison, the last thing you want is a light because it now exposes you and reveals where you're at. We need to understand that the light of the world, who we're about to talk about, brings both of those attributes to the table. He exposes our inadequacies and he illuminates life. Do it this way. Light exposes, meaning it reveals that you and I, me and you, cannot measure up. And it illuminates the path to the one who could measure up. Jesus. Jesus came as the light to the world to show you and to show me that we are not good enough. We cannot be good enough to earn God's favor. It is impossible. We are not deserving of, of his kindness. We cannot and have never been able to measure up. If there was a standard to its truest form of this is what it takes to have right relationship with God, every one of us would fail. That would expose you. We don't like to be exposed. We don't like someone to tell you and I, we're not good enough, capable enough. And I'm here to tell you, as the light of the world comes into this universe, it does this to expose that we, we can't measure up. However, the good news is that Jesus, as the light, also illuminates that although we cannot measure up, he can. That life and hope is possible through him, that even though we tend to run from God and run to our passions and pleasures, Jesus perfectly obeys and provides a way for us to have life with God through, through him. As I read this verse, the band can make their way forward. John 1 verse 4 says this, in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I am personally thankful that Jesus offers both light and life. Listen, if we took, and, I, and I've said this before, but if we took everyone's goodness in this room, everyone's goodness, all of your good deeds, as many or as few as they've been, and we give all of those good deeds to one person, I'll let you pick. You give all of your good deeds to that one person, they would still not be able to stand rightly before God himself. It, it's impossible. And so it's interesting that, G, or that John bypasses the typical story found in Matthew and, and Luke on how Jesus enters into this world and he gives him this title that Jesus, when he came into this world, he was the light of the world. He was the one that came to expose, we can't do it, but he can't. He was the one that came in to say, hey, even though we can't do it, and he does it, he offers us life 
in him. And, and I know, because I know my own story, that many of us in this room have tried to find life in other areas and other places that never seem to satisfy. You may feel empty, curious on why people have any kind of fulfillment in this world today, looking around, wondering, what is this all about? Why are we even celebrating this? Here's the reason, because there is no life outside of Jesus. It says it here in John one, and I agree that the good news, the good news is that God didn't just come to expose us through Jesus and then tell us to somehow figure out how to make things right. But that he tells us or reveals to us through the life of his son that Jesus has made things right. He's made things right. He's made things whole. All the hurts, all the pains, all the wrongdoings, all the things you've walked through and you've dealt with over the course of your life, Jesus comes in and exposes. You see, there isn't life outside of me, but you can have life in me. And in that moment, he makes you whole. And this is why it says later in John, that the Son, Jesus, who was full of grace and truth. Truth that we can't measure up and grace that he did and we can join in him through what he did. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn it, but he came as a light of the world to expose and illuminate that life with God is possible through him. The only, if I could say, the only reason why I do this and I'm about done is because it's my desire on a night like tonight to allow you to peer into the scriptures to see God's constant, consistent, beautiful nature of being kind towards you and I who have not been consistent, constant, kind. And he leans in to remind you and I that life is possible through his son, Jesus. So look to that light. Hey, man, here's what's crazy. Is if anything, you leave here tonight with your affections just stirred a little more about who this man, Jesus, may be, then tonight was well done. All of us in this room come from different stories and backgrounds and, and walks. And I just want to show you that a broken, sinful, wretched man like myself has fallen madly in love with the light of the world, Jesus, who in all of my insufficiencies and inadequ inadequacies he 
he has made me sufficient in him. And so when we light the candles later, it is a symbol of the light coming into this world that cannot be overtaken by darkness. So here's what I'm going to have you do. Just close your eyes for a moment. Um, I'm going to give you some instructions, and then I'm going to pray. And we'll continue on with our service. Um, at your table, we have a little bottle of juice and a little loaf of bread and larger than needed cups. <laughs> and what we want while they do this next song is for those of you to come together at a table, for those of you who love Jesus, who, who, who want to know a little bit more about who this Jesus, whatever it may be, this is a moment where we will take communion together. I, I, know, I know that it's to celebrate the birth of Christ, but we celebrate the birth of Christ looking through the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. So, so we get to see the full panorama view of what's going on. So Jesus came as a baby to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to do for you and I what we could not do, to pay the death that we deserve, to give us the life we don't deserve. So he does all of that. And so we celebrate every aspect of that here this evening. So as they do this song after I pray, I'm going to encourage one of you at the table to open the juice and pour it out, to pass the loaf around and break a piece off as we remember the greatest once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ making us clean and whole through his death on the cross and showing us that that death on the cross was sufficient by resurrecting three days later to say he has the power to not only cleanse our life of sin, but defeat our greatest enemy, which is death. And so for those of you who are not at the table and you would like to take communion, we'll make sure that that is available and to you. But I'm going to pray. And as they sing, this is your time with your family and friends to take and remember the perfect blood and body of our Savior, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that we can come together as friends and family and celebrate your son, Jesus. I pray that you continue to impress on the hearts in this room your scandalous love and kindness towards us, found deeply in your son, Jesus. So as we sing, as we take communion, as we do the rest of the service, this is just a reflection our heart's desires for you and a reminder of what you have done for us. Father, we love you. This time is for you. Thank you for listening to Crosslink Community Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.crosslinkchurch.com or join us in person on Sunday mornings at 1020 a.m. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single message and share with a friend. Thank you again for listening.